Welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Edward Russell, and I'm joined this week by my co-host, Jay Shoppett, to discuss the first quarter earnings season that began Thursday and American Airlines. Please enjoy. Hey, Jay, how are you doing this week? I'm good, Ned. Happy first quarter earnings season to you and yours. Absolutely. It feels like we just finished the fourth quarter, uh, which actually we did. So the number of airlines went as late as as mid-March. And here we are about to kick off the first quarter with Delta Airlines, which uh, listeners, by the time you listen to this, they will have gone yesterday. But we are recording this on Wednesday, so we still don't know what Delta has to say just yet. Right. So we're recording this uh, just so everybody knows on uh, Wednesday afternoon, uh, East Coast time here, about one o'clock. So uh, Delta will be going tomorrow, uh, tomorrow from the perspective uh, of uh, us talking here on Wednesday. Uh, so what are we uh, what are we looking for, Ned? What are you uh, what are you going to have your ears open for? So first is I'm expecting the demand trends to be the growth trends to be fairly strong, uh, easily double digit. You know, we have to remember a year ago in the first quarter, we had the Omicron variant. So the first quarter of 2022 was hit hard by that. Yep. So we're going to see a lot of very positive year-over-year comps. Revenues up twenty plus percent easily. You know, unfortunately, I think United said that they're probably going to post a loss, but I think that's going to be the outlier rather than the norm. Uh, with, uh, but I think we're going to see profits across the U.S. airlines, uh, strong revenue growth. Uh, you know, that trend continue that we've seen. Right, I think so. It'll almost be more interesting. But the first quarter is typically a, a softer one, um, a little bit less so in the U.S. than than elsewhere in the world. Uh, you know, U.S. airlines have kind of learned how to make money in the first quarter over the over the years, but uh, but still, it'll almost be more interesting to hear how uh, what what airlines are saying about how things are progressing in the second quarter and uh, forward bookings into the third as well, because that's the real kind of meaty season for for most U.S. airlines. Uh, just for uh, your information, as uh, we move into earnings season here. Um, three, the big three in the U.S. did give some sense of uh, of sort of guidance, financial guidance on what their margins are going to be. Uh, so Delta said that its operating margin, so that's before interest, before tax, would likely fall between four and six percent, positive four percent, positive six percent. Now United, interestingly enough, said that they were going to have a pre-tax. So this does uh, this does include interest, um, but even so, uh, rather disappointing. And that they said that it's going to be ne- between negative two and negative three percent. So a big gap there. And we, if you go back a couple of podcasts ago, I think we talked a little bit about why that was. United may have been a little too over aggressive on revenue management, and uh, you know perhaps a few other uh, a few other reasons for that. Now American this morning, and again we're speaking Wednesday this morning, that came out. And said that they're going to have a positive operating margin before interest and tax of three point approximately three point five percent. So that gets right close to Delta's uh, the lower end of Delta's guidance. Uh, we're going to talk more about American in a little bit here, um, but it is interesting that in the fourth quarter of twenty two, you may remember uh, American, Delta, and United are all very close. Uh, American was worse, but just by fractions. It was all, you know, a lot of convergence there. And now it looks like American, I mean, it's pretty clear that American's going to be better than United um, and potentially even, you know, real, you know, 
butting up against the uh, the rear bumper here of Delta. So it's, um, you know, it could be a good sign for American. Perhaps things are, you know, looking up there. Uh, but we'll talk about them a little bit more. Um, yeah, it could be a good sign. I want to save discussion, more discussion of American. And I do have some thoughts on that for later. But yeah, but um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that but so, you know, I wrote a story uh, on Wednesday today uh, about the second quarter. And the truth is, is, is a lot of people are seeing uh, new bookings demand slow down in the U.S. and um, not sorry growth of new bookings slow down in the U.S. So not necessarily fall, but we're not seeing the double-digit growth rates that we've seen before. And, you know, this, according to a number of analysts, is, is really just normalization. Now, if you remember, the second quarter of 2022 was when airlines started to see the real surge in demand. So you just saw double-digit rates of growth, revenues up way over 2019, all of those things. So, you know, that kind of growth can't happen forever. And you know, it's demand is definitely still robust. But like I said, new bookings seem to be coming in slower. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing you know what airlines are seeing if, if they're seeing, you know, maybe not slow down, but leveling off, which arguably would be good for the good for the market if, if that's happening. Right. And remember, too, that in volume terms, because airlines are, uh, you know, have been in some in some cases forced to cut capacity. I think you did a story. Was it earlier this week or last week on uh, the New York market? Airlines there having to cut capacity simply because the FAA doesn't have the controller capacity to deal with it. So you're not. It, it starts to get impossible to to continue to get robust uh, growth in volume terms if you're cutting capacity. You know, if the seats are not there to, to fill people in. Now, in revenue terms, that I haven't seen any data on that yet. We're, we'll likely get some good data in the next couple of days here, or next couple of weeks, actually. Um, I guess it's just Delta tomorrow, and then what do we got? United and a few others perhaps next week and week after. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get more data on that. Um, but, yeah, don't don't forget that, that you know, there has been uh, some retrenchment in capacity, which is, you know, also can affect the total and if demand is is you know holding steady at the high rates that we've seen yet capacity is pulling back i mean it's it's economics 101 limited supply strong demand uh, means fares will, will go up or at least stay where they are which is at elevated rates so you'll get the higher fares right yeah. right and that sort of the corollary to that is that you know an air you might you might think i mean your initial reaction might be well uh, airlines would be perfectly happy with that uh you know, the capacity's down and it's kind of squeezing, squeezing the yields up and that results in better revenue. And yeah, to a certain extent, that's a business model that can be workable. That could, uh, you know, you can, you can make a living off of that, but that's uh, most airlines would tell you that they're not, they're not comfortable with that. And the reason why is that it really hurts you on the cost side. You know, if you have to cut capacity, um, yes, you can squeeze up revenues, but you're unique. You're also becoming a less productive company. You know, you can't get your your aircraft utilization uh, to levels um, you know that you want, and you're not utilizing the, your staffing. Uh, remember that that after the pandemic, um, just in the past year or so, airlines have been you know voraciously adding new people, um, and you want to you know get productivity out of those people. So it's not it's not it's not really a good picture when you have all these capacity you know cutbacks. Um, now across the industry. To be clear, uh, some airlines are still very much up in capacity, uh, certainly versus 2019. Uh, 
or certainly versus the you know 2021 2020 the pandemic but even even relative to 2019 now american delta and united are and i checked this earlier their capacity whether you measure it in c terms or ASK, asms whatever it's still below 2019 levels right. uh, so that is uh, not something that um you know airlines are happy about that the, that the big three are happy about and you know we'll see if that changes going forward yeah, I mean, I, it's hard for me to see the big the big airlines really getting much above 2019 capacity levels this year. Maybe they'll do it by the end of the year. It's really the growth, and and I pulled second quarter Q2 number, you know, Q2 numbers this year compared to 2019 earlier, and you know, the overall market is up, but it's it's driven by the likes of you know Spirits and Frontiers and JetBlue and. And those, not so much by the major airlines. And of course, a lot of those carriers, JetBlue aside, you know, operate in markets outside of the New York and Washington DC areas, which are subject to some of the new air traffic control uh, staffing issues that that the FAA has has confirmed. Right. So and it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and where you see the growth is kind of where we've been seeing growth for the last few years. I don't. Uh, again, I was looking at this this morning as well. There's no no big surprises. I mean, you know, a market like Austin, Nashville on fire, you know, just a lot, lot busier than they were in years past. Uh, you know, some of the big hubs like Dallas, uh, Denver is, is, you know, arguably the, uh, the all-star market of, of the United States right now among big hubs. Um, actually bigger, you know, the Denver was busier in 2022 than it was in 2019. Right. Is that what we, we said? We said that oh, last yeah. week, I think yeah. from the ACI numbers, which is very rare. I mean, you don't see too many, uh, you know, very big hub airlines where that that's the case. Uh, so there's, you know, you have your, your, your superstar markets like that. And then you have, you know, Atlanta has been still, I think that's still down because Delta has prioritized growth elsewhere. Um, that could change. I think Delta said they're going to maybe put more attention on Atlanta going forward, uh, which is, you know, that's their, their big profit. Uh, we'll, we'll know more about that. Uh, by the time you listen to this podcast, listeners, yes, we do yes. today, because Delta, I'm sure will provide an update on, on their capacity. And I'm sure um, they'll Thursday. talk about right. And I'm sure they'll talk about Atlanta, which uh, you know that's their their golden golden treasure there. Their 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 big uh, big profit driver market. Um, yeah, I guess the final thing that all that I have uh, before uh, moving on to perhaps a little more in depth discussion on American is the in, in terms of fuel costs, uh, the oil price this morning is now we're at about we're in the low 80s, which is okay. I mean, it's gone up. It was, you know, kind of, kind of went into the seventies, which is, I mean, I would say the seventies is, is maybe you would call the comfort zone for airlines. I mean, lower is better, but seventies are, you know, I'd be very happy with that. So low eighties is, is still okay. Um, IATA has a jet fuel price monitor, which is kind of cool. You can look at it on their website and they're according to North American jet, jet fuel prices are down almost 40% year over year. That's the latest numbers. Um, they've, yeah, and they've, they've crept up a little bit. They're actually, actually down even 4% from a month ago. Um, so they're, you know, I think, I think it's still a relatively benign situation on the fuel front. Uh, another thing that, uh, will, you know, form the backdrop of, uh, of the story as we go through earnings season here. Definitely. And the final thing that I say I want to listen to, I'm going to be listening for is the international recovery. Wall Street analysts think mm -hmm. that 
it's especially on the long haul side, probably benefiting Delta and United a lot, uh, American as well, though maybe a little less so. Um, but that's something that I will be listening to on yeah. our upcoming calls. And international With too is is tends to be you're getting into the season where that tends to do well. Um, you know, a market like Europe is uh, going to do a lot better in the spring and summer than it is in the fall and winter. Um, the only exception would be you know some of your Caribbean markets; those tend to peak in the first quarter. Uh, a lot of them, you know, February, March are the sort of the big, big. Uh, big moments for, for those markets. Uh, but yeah, that, and, you know, Asia will be a little less seasonal too, but also you see, you should see better, better results in the summer. Definitely. Definitely. With that, Jay listeners, we will be right back to talk a bit more about American. And we're back. So Jay, let's go in depth about American. They released some updated guidance on Wednesday, like you said, that that really came in at the midpoint to high end of their guidance. So revenues are up, uh, you know, in the twenty percent range. Your margin, like you mentioned, is just a, shit, a hair shy of Delta's costs. Unit costs, excluding fuel, are down. And, you know, it, it's a solid guide, and American really looks like they're going to be, you know, like yeah, number two among the U.S. airlines financially in the first quarter. Yeah, and uh, that's that's I think an encouraging sign there. Uh, American and, and we um, ran a feature story in Airline Weekly um, about American uh, that goes into some of this uh, in depth. That was uh, I believe two 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 issues ago, uh, and yeah, one of the, we pointed out some of the um, the the numbers. So so American over the past uh, you know really over the throughout the entire twenty tens. Um, maybe not, you know, early in the decade, of course, they merged with, there was an American U.S. Airways merger in 2013, I guess it was. And then you had, uh, you know, I always like to call the 2010s the a tale of two halves for the airline industry, because <laughs> the first half was, the first half of the 2010s was dominated by high oil prices. The second half was dominated by rather low oil prices. So very, two very different industries um, throughout that decade. But let's just call it, you know, from 2015 going forward. American had some moments where they were, um, if not quite number one ahead of Delta, uh, pretty close. Um, and then they got into, uh, I want to say, you know, 27, 2018, 2019, don't quote me on that exactly, but um, sort of towards the end of the decade, they really kind of brought up the, the rear. They they were lagging a lot. And that again was true in, in 2022. So for the full year, their operating margin was just 4%, whereas Delta's was double that. It was 8 and United was kind of somewhere in between at six, but still better than American. And so there was that sense, you know, you look at these numbers and there's that sense that, oh, you know, American, when are they going to, uh, you know, is this is this just, are they destined to to be in the basement forever? Or are they going to uh, eventually, uh, you know, rise above and and uh, at least at least surpass United? I mean, Delta has some structural reasons why they might, you know, stay in first place for a long time, but that's a, you know, separate issue. I wrote a book about that, by the way, but uh, that's a uh, separate, a, a separate topic. Uh, but on American, it was interesting that in the fourth quarter, as I mentioned earlier, um, the, the, the gap really narrowed a lot. I mean, they had a 10.5% margin, whereas United was just 11.2 and Delta was 11.6. So it was all very close. And now as, as we, as we see, we already know that the first quarter American is going to surpass United and come close again to Delta. So, uh, you know, is, is something going right um, with American? And the answer may be yes, 
one thing to look very closely at is they've taken some rather bold network steps. Um, if you look at three markets in particular that have historically been very big for American, Chicago, Los Angeles, and the other one is uh, Philadelphia. Those right. three are down dramatically in capacity, like, I don't know, something like 30% down in seats versus 2019. So they've de-emphasized those. And there are reasons we go into the article, you know, from two weeks ago, you can look at that, um, you know, why they, they might have done that. Uh, but it just goes to show that they are, you know, they've identified markets where they think they're performing sort of under par and they're really, they're really gutting them. Whereas, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas in their superstar markets, which for them is Dallas, uh, Fort Worth and number two, Charlotte, and then Washington DC national, that's smaller, but I think it's historically been very good for them. So those three markets where they're, where they're not cutting, where they're, you know, where they're, they're adding, um, in some cases aggressively. Uh, so yeah, that's what we'll, we'll see if, uh, you know, if that ultimately puts American on the, you know, on the track to becoming more competitive financially with their peers. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's just, it's interesting to see this pivot and I, I understand Americans focus is, is on, you know, profitability and, and flying where they're it's most profitable they had this before the pandemic i, I don't know if you remember dfw 900 which was their catchphrase yeah. in 2019 for getting dfw uh their their mega hub to 900 departures a day um and then they went into the pandemic and they flew more than a lot of other airlines uh because and they provided the only connectivity to a lot of places uh, again focusing on on profitability so it's funny as we come out and like you say this is you know this Profit hunting uh, of American has really hit some of their smaller hubs. You, uh, you mentioned Philadelphia and Chicago, which are, you know, one's a traditional American stronghold, one's a traditional uh, U.S. Airways stronghold. And and they're still way down. Uh, well, like double digits down from 2019. I don't have the numbers in front of them. So it's going to be funny to, to watch this as this goes forward. And, and the second thing that I want to say is, you know, last year, and we've talked about it before at the SCIF Global Forum, uh, American's Chief Revenue Officer, Basu Raja, really talked about, you know, flying where it's profitable. And right now that's domestic. And internationally, you don't see American doing many of the adventurous uh, things that United is doing, especially, and to a lesser extent, Delta, but Americans doubling down on serving their partner hubs abroad. So they're still getting you to Tokyo, London, Madrid, all these places, but they're doing less of those you know, second tier cities. You know, I look at Asia and when you've got American, United and Delta are back full on to capacity is fully recovered in Japan. This summer, Americans still down uh, double digits because you know they just haven't brought every flight back. So it's it's interesting to see what they're doing, and and it's you know they're making money, but at the same time, like they're not beating Delta. So it's just interesting, right? And they um yeah, and it's important. You just made an important point that I think is worth stressing is that you know for all the <laughs> for all the criticisms American gets for you know I, I use the uh, the term being in the basement, uh, they they have been a consist, you know, a solidly profitable airline. This is not, you know, the the early 2000s when they and most other big US airlines were just bleeding money. And um, now they do have, despite the, you know, respectable operating margins, let's call it, they do have uh, a, a serious debt issue. Um, they do have a lot of debt that's, right. uh, you know, kind of hanging over from all that's happened during the pandemic. Uh, so that's something, you know, 
That's uh, they they have a plan, um, and they'll probably talk more about this in their uh, you know in their earnings call coming up. Uh, but they do have a you know a plan to pay down that debt, and they are in one sense lucky in that their capital expenditure obligations are rather low going forward because most of their planes are pretty new. They you know placed that very large narrow body order in when was it twenty eleven? I think even before the merger, yeah. um, and so. There, there's not a whole lot left there, and I think they're pretty close to the end of the line on their dream Dreamliner order as well. So there's just not a lot of big aircraft expenditure. We're talking about capital expenditures in the airline industry, where you know a very very large portion of that is aircraft. Um, yeah. They just don't have a lot coming. Whereas United is completely opposite. United has maybe. I was going to say, no, the United yeah. is the other side of the coin. They're they're about to embark on their massive fleet uh, renewal program and exactly. take on all that debt potentially. Right, right, and Delta somewhere in between, and they tend to buy, you know, some tend, tend to like use aircraft as well. So yeah, a little bit. Um, so so there's you know we'll, we'll that that's something to watch. They do American does have a lot of debt, um, and then besides these network moves, um, American is. Doing, you know, they're they're taking other steps too. I mean, one thing that's gotten a lot of attention that you can, you know, read about on the Skiff site. We have some people at Skiff that are um, have followed this very closely. Uh, they have been rather bold on the distribution front. They've made some moves to uh, make sure that they're selling more uh, directly rather than via third parties, and um, or when they do sell via third parties, they're you know kind of having more control over that. Uh, over the customer and the booking. Um, so there's, you know, there's that and, you know, certain aspects of their their product. They've, uh, I think they recently announced a new uh, first class product, right? On some of their, um, was it business? Maybe, maybe the- Yeah, the, they're beginning a big uh, business class rollout in the next- Was it business class? Uh, A321. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they're eliminating first class and it's going to be, you know, uh, A321 Neo, 789s yeah, right. and stuff. Um yeah, speaking of which, talking of orders, you made me think of the A321 XLRs. And we, we I, you know, I was just speaking about American doing a little less international right now. Well, they've got these A321 XLRs coming in in, I want to say, 2024, starting late next year, which could open up a lot of second tier international routes to American if, you know, if they so please, because those planes could easily fly from Philadelphia to, you know, points in Germany, Switzerland, Austria, Italy, where, you know, where they want to go. So, but that yeah. is not a discussion right. for the second quarter. That's something that's going to be really a 2025 story. Right, exactly. Yeah. And a nice, nice plane to Europe, as you mentioned, you can, you know, uh, hit more secondary cities. And for them, remember, they're, they're so large in South America that um, you can see them doing some, you know, some XLR service, perhaps, you know, Dallas down into South America, um, maybe even from other hubs. Uh, so yeah, that could be a, uh, you know, Jay, you just, it could you just be a... mean, I, I've got to do an aside. Uh, you just reminded me of, of my coverage of American back in the early 2010s and them doing 757s from Miami to to pretty much every second tier city in, in Brazil, Fortaleza, Recife, Manaus, all those places, many of which have now gone, but you know, all of those could come back with the 321 XLR. Right, right. And the 320 XLR will be, uh, you know, obviously the economics on that will be better than the, than the 757 in many ways. I mean, it's just a newer newer aircraft, more fuel efficient, better engine. So, uh, yeah, that could be, you know, I don't know what to expect. I, well, I guess this is another discussion, but the XLR in general, you know, it will have some limitations in terms of, you know, how much premium you can put on it and on some of these 
intercontinental routes, you really kind of need the critical mass of premium to make to make them, you know, real robust. So there's, you know, it's I don't want to say it's a slam dunk, but but it is um yeah, that 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 aircraft uh it's gotten quite a bit of interest from a from a diverse group of airlines. I think even Frontier has some on order. I have no idea what they're gonna do with them, but um that, remember they're gonna go to Hawaii, right? Right. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's yeah. I mean, that maybe Hawaii from uh, yeah, interior. That's that, that could probably probably work, but uh, <laughs> we'll have to. Yeah, as you said, we'll, we've got another you know two or three years before we uh, we know the end to that story. Yep, yep. With that, Jay, I think we're going to have to wrap it up. Listeners, if you want to reach myself, Edward Russell, you can do that at er at skiff.com. You can reach Jay at js at skiff.com. Again, Jay, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Likewise, Ned, and uh, a final earning season's greetings to everyone. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.